Thank you, Father. Let's just pray. Thank you, God, for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for the sun. Thank you for this beautiful place. Thank you, God, for each other. Thank you, Lord, for your family, the family of God. And thank you, God, for all the great things that you've already done in us and for us, through us, with us. And thank you, God, that you've got so much more in store for us. Father, we just want to put ourselves under the waterfall, under the fountain of your blessing right now, Lord. God, just like James prayed, I pray, Lord, we're thirsty. We pray, pour out living water on us and through us and in us. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, we don't want just dry ritual. We don't want to just go through the motions and do things over and over again just because we've done them in the past. Lord Jesus, we need you. We need a real reality, living relationship with you right now, Lord. We pray that you would come and break into our lives, break into my life. Lord, where there's preconceptions and and things that I've just supposed and assumed are true, if they're not right, Lord, I pray that you would break them right now, that you'd shatter them. Lord, I pray that you would open my eyes and my heart to be able to see and think of things that are from you instead of from my own mind. Help us now, Lord. Folks, let's just put ourselves before the Lord right now. Just just put yourself in a position of receiving. Say, here I am, Lord. Please would you show me? Please would you teach me? Please would you mold me and help me and change me? Make me ready to be what you want me to be. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I choose to bow my heart, just as I would bow my knee. I bow my heart before you. I say, you are Lord. You, you know the truth. I don't. Please, would you show me? I choose to focus my mind on you right now. Teach us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. The reason I'm praying a lot before the sermon is because I'm very aware today that what I'm going to say is offensive, not just different to what other people have heard, but offensive to many people, many Christians, many non-Christians, people who are not part of the church or haven't been going to church, find what I'm about to say quite logical and normal. And they go, oh, okay, that makes sense. But for some reason, many, many Christians find what I'm about to say extremely offensive. They, They find it shocking and they find it hard to change their way of thinking it's, it's a bit like a sacred cow. A sacred cow is something that we've built ourselves and we put it up on a pedestal and we say, this is what's true. And if anyone attacks it or questions it, we get very defensive and angry. And um, the reason, I think, is because I, I spoke about this a, a couple of days ago here on camp, is because there's a pendulum of truth. What happens in the church is when we as Christians go too far to one extreme in a belief or a teaching, then somebody comes in and they teach the opposite to help us to get back into balance again. And that pendulum starts to swing. But then if we just stay with that teaching, then we get out of balance the other way. And then the pendulum has to swing back. And what's happened, I believe, is many, many Christians about, well, for the last 400 years, there's been a strong teaching of Calvinism. And uh, Luther and Calvin came in to try and correct the church where it had gone wrong. And as a result, many people have just heard Calvin and Luther's teaching. And so I believe we've gone too far to one extreme. So what I want to talk about is a thing called the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God. 
And one of the themes that we've been talking about here on camp is this word gospel. The fact that the Bible says it's the power of God and it's supposed to change our lives. And yet many of us haven't really had our lives changed that much. And yet we're supposed to have heard the gospel. So maybe we haven't really understood the gospel correctly, the way that Jesus preached it. And I just want to show you about what Jesus and many other people since Jesus have spoken about. It was this thing called the gospel of the kingdom of God. Listen to this. Matthew 4.23. Jesus went about Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sicknesses. Mark 1 verse 14. Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Just listen to this little phrase, kingdom of God, and see if you could explain it to somebody else. If somebody said to you, what is the gospel of the kingdom? Would you be able to explain it? Luke 4 verse 43, Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And then he sent out his 12 disciples to preach, and he said to them in Luke 9 verse 2, he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I wonder what we would have sent his disciples out to preach. I don't think we would have said the kingdom of God. And if we did say the kingdom of God, I don't think we would have really understood what we meant by that little phrase. What is the gospel of the kingdom of God? Can we really fully explain it? Matthew 10, Jesus said to his disciples, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. Then he sent out 70 disciples, and he said to them, Heal the sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. So again, the 12, the 70 all preach the kingdom. Then Jesus died and he rose again and he was with his disciples for 40 days. Have you ever wondered what he spoke about with his disciples in those 40 days after he rose again, before he ascended to heaven? He just had a few short weeks with his disciples. What was he going to talk about with them? Was he going to talk about what it was like to rise again? What it was like to die and go to hell and heaven and all that? No, listen to what he spoke about. Acts 1 verse 3. He presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What about after Jesus rose and ascended? What did the apostles and the others speak about? In Acts 8 verse 12, Philip went to Samaria and it says, They believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Paul, in Acts 19, he went to a place called Ephesus, and it says he went into the synagogue and he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning, you guessed it, the things of the kingdom of God. And then right at the end of the book of Acts, Paul has spent his whole ministry and he's in prison in his house in Rome, and it says in Acts 28, 23, many came to him at his lodging to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God. And then lastly, Jesus said this, Matthew 24, 14, This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. My question to you and all of us today is this. If Jesus said to you today, Pat, go to Ghana and preach the kingdom of God. Sue, go to Iceland and tell them, explain to them the kingdom of God. Any of us, if we were asked by the Lord to go and explain the kingdom of God, would we be able to? 
for us, many of us, it's just this vague concept. It's just like, well, there's a kingdom and, well, the kingdom come maybe one day and I hope there's a kingdom and what is a kingdom? I don't really know. And, and Jesus is Lord and praise the Lord and um, there's a kingdom. We, we don't really know. And yet it was a clear teaching. It was the teaching that they all preached. Jesus preached, the disciples preached, the 70 preached, the apostles preached, Paul preached. Everybody preached this thing called the kingdom of God, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Do you know what that gospel is? I'm going to explain it today very briefly. We spoke about it yesterday or the day before in camp, and it was an awesome time, and I'm not going to be able to go into as much detail today, but I'm just going to go as quickly as I can and talk about the kingdom. I've got seven pages of notes here, but I'm not going to go through all of them. The kingdom. What is a kingdom? Anyone know what a kingdom is? Well, a kingdom is a king's domain, a place where a king rules. So we have the United Kingdom. We have various other kingdoms in the world. A kingdom is a place where a king reigns. Can I maybe give my opinion as to why the Christian church doesn't really talk about the kingdom of God much or know what it is or even bother about it, even though it was the main teaching of Jesus? The reason, I believe, is because we've got this wrong idea that God is already king of everything. I'm pausing for effect. going to say it again. The reason we don't bother about the kingdom of God is because most Christians think that God is already the king of everything. And therefore, we don't worry about it. Do you think fish talk about water much? Do you think fish talk? I don't know. Maybe they don't. I heard a joke about two fish and the one says to the other, what's the water like today? And the other fish says, what's water? Because it's so much a part of their lives that they don't even think about it because water is what they live in. They don't even bother about it. Many Christians just have this assumption that God is already the king of everything. And therefore, why do we need to talk about the kingdom of God? It's an irrelevant term. Could that be true of you and me? Is it possible that we've completely just blocked this out of our mind? Whenever we read or hear the phrase, the kingdom of God, we block it up because we have thought, well, God's already the king of everything. Why? Do, that's an irrelevant thing. I don't need to worry about that. Is that what you think? The reason Jesus spoke about it so much, and I'm going to shock you, this is where it starts to get controversial, is because Jesus and God are not the king of everything. Great. What are you saying? That sounds heretical sounds wrong. Isn't God the king of the universe? Let me read you a couple of verses. The Pharisees came to Jesus and they accused him of using the devil's power. And Jesus said this to them. He said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? Jesus said that the devil has a kingdom. Let me read you a couple of other verses. John chapter 12 and verse 31. Jesus said this. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. 
hold on, I thought God was the ruler of the world. No, no, Jesus was talking about the devil and he called him the ruler, the, the boss, the king of this world. What about this verse? John 14 verse 30. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Again, he called the devil the ruler of this world. John 16 verse 11. Uh, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit is going to convict the world of all these different things. And then he says he's going to convict the world of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Jesus called the devil the ruler of this world. I'm going to read you another startling passage. When the devil was tempting Jesus in the, de in the desert, it says this. Then the devil took Jesus up on a high mountain. Imagine the scene with me. He took him up on a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So he showed him all the different places where there were human kings ruling the world. And this is what the devil said to him. All of this authority, Jesus, I will give to you and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I can give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, it will all be yours. You see, we think as Christians, kingdom of God, irrelevant, God's already the king, there's nobody else to threaten him. The devil came to Jesus and said, all of the kingdoms of the world are mine. They've been given to me, and I can give them to anyone I want. Therefore, just worship me, and I'll give it to you. Jesus' teaching, the disciples' teaching, everyone after Jesus in the biblical times preached a very clear message. The kingdom of God means there's a new king coming because there's a bad king ruling the world. That is the message. That is the important message. I'm just going to... Read a, a section of the Bible from Revelation chapter 12, which I hope will make this clear to you. I know we're reading a lot of Bible today, but sometimes we have to. It's just helpful. Revelation chapter 12. Are you ready to get this explained? Listen to this. Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. 
Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives even to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she was nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What's that saying? It's a story. It says there was a woman, the nation of Israel, she had 12 tribes, 12 stars on her head, and she gave birth to a male child who was going to rule the world, Jesus. And there was a dragon who had, with his tail, taken a third of the angels out of heaven, and he'd been already thrown down to earth, but he still had access to heaven. And there was war, and when Jesus was snatched up to heaven after he died, the devil and all his angels were cast out of heaven, and they could no longer accuse the brethren. And it says, rejoice, you heavens, because the devil's no longer in, in you, but Be careful on earth because the devil's on earth now and he's enraged. He knows he's only got a short time, but we can overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. I haven't got time to go into it in great depth, but I just want to try and summarize this. Please, brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian here, I'm speaking to you now. The message of Jesus was very clear. There was a king called the devil. He stole the kingship from Adam and Eve. He went to Adam and he said to Adam, if you will just obey me and eat this fruit, then you'll be wise like God. And Adam gave away the rulership of the earth to the devil. That's why the devil had such power in the Old Testament. He could go and tempt Job. He could go and say to God, I want to tempt Job and I want to cause him to be sick and I want to kill all his children and I want to steal all his stuff. And God almost had to say yes because the devil was the rightful ruler of the world. But a man had to come and take that rulership back. And that was Jesus. He had to come as a man. And he came and he beat the devil. (laughs) He said, he said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. He came to the devil and he took away the rulership of the world. And at the end of his life, when he died on the cross, Jesus stood and he said, all authority has now been given to me. He'd taken it back. The devil was the ruler for the whole of the Old Testament since Adam all the way to Jesus' death, but Jesus took it back. He said, all authority is now mine. Therefore, you disciples go and enforce this victory. Now, that's different to what you'll hear most of the time. In most churches, most Christians, 95% of Christians believe a different message. They believe a message that says, God is already the king. God's the king of everything. 
If anything happens, God made it happen. If a little child gets hit by a drunk driver and dies, oh, God made it happen. That's not true. You'll hear in other churches, most of the Christian world will say, God is already the king. And if the devil wants to do anything bad to you, he has to go and ask God first and God has to give him permission. And then the devil can do it. So it's actually God who's causing you to have all this suffering. That's just not true. It happened in Job because the devil had the authority then. He doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't have access to heaven anymore. That's what we read in Revelation. It says, now the kingdom of our God has come because Satan has been cast out of heaven. Only after Jesus died. (laughs) All right. I just want to close by trying to make this practical for you and me. You and me now, we're living in the year 2014. Jesus died. He's won back the victory. We're supposed to have a wonderful king on the throne of the earth now. But there's still sorrow, sickness, earthquakes, disease, wars, pain, tragedy, horribleness. People snoring in tents next to you in campsites. (laughs) Yeah, I was talking on behalf of my wife. What's going on? You know, if you go to a, a Jewish, a religious Jewish person today, and you say, Messiah Jesus has already come, you know what their most common response is? They go to the window and they look out and they look at the world. They say, the world's still a mess. No, he hasn't. And that's a valid point. Isn't it? If Jesus has come, if we've got a good king now, why, oh, why is the world still a mess? If the the devil who was the king has been kicked out and now Jesus has all authority... How come I'm still struggling and suffering? I'm going to try and make this plain. It's a big topic, but I'm going to try and summarize it very briefly. Friends, you and I as Christians have a perfect spirit. We like Adam in our spirits. You know, Adam and Eve were sinless before they sinned. They were were sons of God. They were in communion with God. They were close to God. They were perfect. There was nothing wrong with them. There was no problem between them and God or them and each other. You and I in our spirits are like that now. But like Adam and Eve, the devil still comes and tries to deceive us. Exactly the same as he did to Adam. He comes to us and he says, did God really say whatever, X, Y, and Z? And we start to think, oh, maybe not. And what happens is we believe his lie and we go down the road of obeying him. But praise the Lord, it no longer results in complete destruction of the whole universe like it did with Adam and Eve. Because Jesus, the Bible says, has sealed our spirits so that our spirits, even if we sin, our spirits stay clean. But there are still consequences if I obey the devil. (laughs) Do you see that? It's not a complete destruction of the world anymore, but my wife gets hurt if I sin. My children get hurt. You get hurt if I snore. Can you see this? 
there's a new king and he's made us clean on the inside. But the devil is still running around trying to deceive people just like he did Adam and Eve. And every time we listen to him, pain and suffering results. Plus, there's millions of people who don't love Jesus. And they're also like little clones of the devil also doing all this bad stuff. And so the multiplied misery just carries on around the world. We're living in a fallen world where we sin and we suffer the consequences consequences, and where others sin and I suffer the consequences as well. You say, gee, Greg, so that's not that good news after all then. Listen to the words of Isaiah. He says, of the increase of his government, there will be no end. His kingdom is growing. It started with 12 little disciples. It grew to 120, grew to 3,000 on the first day. It grew another 5,000 the next day. And it's been growing ever since. And it will never stop growing. And his kingdom is increasing every day. You know, modern man, we like to take a lot of credit for the way that the world is going well. Oh, modern science is so wonderful. And we've discovered this medicine and we can overcome this problem. It's all because of the increase of God's kingdom. It really is. I've lived in a country where it's not a Christian country. It's not built on Christian foundations. And I want to tell you that all the benefits that we in the West enjoy, that we think it's our our cleverness and our democracy and our good government, it's the Christian part of our nation that makes our countries great. That's why a country does well. It's God. Whenever a country doesn't live by God's rules, even if they don't know God, but when they don't live by His rules... There's poverty, misery, sickness, pain, destruction, war, mayhem. When a country puts God first, prosperity, and then we say, oh, look how clever we are. Of the increase of his government, there will be no... The kingdom of God is expanding, increasing all the time. All the time we're pushing back the devil. We're shining his light more and more and more until the day will come when Jesus comes back. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the ends of the earth And then the end will come. Jesus will come back and then he'll put his feet on planet earth again. He'll say, now there's a good king who's going to rule. And we'll have a thousand years of peace, the Bible says. Where people will live long, where the crops will produce, where there'll be no sickness, no more crying or or pain. The lion will lie down with the lamb. A child will play with a, a snake and everyone will be safe. There'll be a good world for a thousand years when Jesus stands here. But until then, it's our job to increase that kingdom. Now, why am I going on and on about this? Because the Christian church has taken this major teaching called the kingdom of God, which was pretty much the only thing. Jesus, Paul, Peter, Philip, all of the disciples, it was the only thing they talked about, the kingdom of God, pretty much. We've taken it and we've relegated it to be a completely irrelevant thing. We talk about the kingdom of God and it's just a religious phrase that means nothing because we assume that God is already the king of everything. And when a a non-Christian comes to us and says, I can't believe in God because how would a good God allow suffering? You know what most of us say? I don't know either. Uh, I can't explain that one. I can't explain it. There's a bad king. (laughs) There's a bad king. There's another king. 
And even though he's been dethroned from heaven, he's still getting access and influence over millions of people by lying. That's why. It's not God's fault. It's got nothing to do with God. We have a message. Jesus had a message that could answer this biggest question that the world asks. What about suffering? We've got the answer. But we don't say it. Because we're too scared to offend. Because we're too scared to say God isn't the king of everything. Meanwhile, Jesus said it plainly. Friends, you and I have to. Let's just make this practical. We have to put God as king in my life. The more that he's king over my life, the more of his kingdom comes into my life. The more, you, know, you know in the, the Lord's Prayer, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The more that happens in my life, the more of heaven I see in my life. Health, blessing, life, peace, unity, prosperity, joy, all these things that are already in heaven come into my life, the more that his kingdom comes in. Then we start to spread his kingdom. If we see poverty and need, we try and help practically with education and, and giving things. But also we preach the gospel. We tell people, make Jesus king because that will change your life. If I help a poor person with money, but I don't give them the gospel, they're still going to go to hell, even though they've had money for their whole lives. And they probably won't learn how to provide for themselves unless I give them the gospel. So we've got to extend this kingdom in whatever way we can. Heal people, help people, preach, pray, go to wherever in the world we can go to extend the kingdom of God. That's the main message that we've got to have. It's about time. I really think it is, you know. The pendulum's been too far for too long. It's about time for the church to take back this message that was the main message, the kingdom of God. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're a good king, Lord. And thank you that you showed us a good kingdom. You came and you healed, you loved, you fed, you blessed people. You gave life and hope. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to extend your kingdom greatly in our own lives and in the world around us. In Jesus' name.